Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, welcome back to Fandom Power Presents The Fandalorian. I'm your host, Wes R. Scott, and this is part two of our season one recap. Wow, so where are we now? We're uh, coming up on episode five. Five? Oh my gosh, yeah. we're, we're over the halfway point. Just. Are, you, are you still with us, good listeners? God, I hope so. <laughs> that brings us actually to uh, one of my favorite episodes of the entire series, and that is The Gunslinger. Agreed. Yeah, Gunslinger, for a couple of reasons. One, it takes us back to a familiar Star Wars location in uh, Tatooine. But before we get there, we can't get there without having another piece of of Star Wars, you know, goodness. And that is we get our first dogfight in space. Yeah. And, you know, I I never did get a very good uh, feel for what the Starfighter was that he was fighting. but I felt like it was like a modified... Uh, I kept fighter. I don't know. I want to go back and rewatch it. I kind of got like this, like Z ninety five ish vibe off of it, but I did too. I got a real Z ninety five vibe off of it. I kind of feel like it's an original design for the series. You know, much like the there's some there's some question about the origins of the Razor Crest because not only is it, you know, it's it's spoken to. Oh, the Razor Crest, like that's the name of the ship. But then it, there's another episode that it might even be uh, the next one uh, where they refer to it as Razor Crest Class. Yes. So that kind of threw me for a loop. But I've seen sort of in the fan community, there's some discussion about is the Razor Crest a modified uh, LAAT gunship? You know, it has Ooh. that. It has that same a similar. Uh, uh, canopy and the the stub wings. I mean, the engines are yeah, on, on with the sides, sort of but... like the swept back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like then I mean, Star if you Trek sort of if you go and look at the, uh, uh, you can look this up. But there's uh, the Wookiee gunship, which is also a modified LAAT gunship. Yes. The Wookiee gunship it looks even more like the Razor Crest because they mount the engines on the the short wing pylons very much like the Razor Crest. So I -hmm. hope that there is a bit more of a dive into the ship itself because like all good Star Wars ships, they are Razor Crest, the the ship droids, the cartoon. I would have to go back and really, really, really have a look at that. Although now that we're talking about it, like going back into the old EU, do you remember Django Fett's uh, mentor? Django Fett's mentor. Yeah. You'll have to refresh me. Jaster Mareel. Oh, yes. Remember Jaster Mareel's ship? It looked like the Flying Goose with short stubby wings with big engines on the side. Jaster, it was Jaster's Pride or something. Or, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Razor Crest has, to me, has some kind of, some callbacks to that as well, right? But uh, really, like, I hope that there's more... And I guess I'm just a nerd that way, but I would love to see more on the origins of, of the ship itself, just to see where Certainly it when they from. reference in the very first episode, when the guy's like, oh my God, this is a Razor Crest, that's pre-Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it has, to me, it, like the, the fact that it's chrome. 
Yeah, yeah. It lends a little bit of the Naboo royal family. Ah, Nubian. Ah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. We got lots of that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, chapter five, the gunslinger, this one, and of course, maybe it's probably, maybe it's why I like it so much. This one is both written and directed by Dave Filoni. It's a solid episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So we get to go back to Tatooine and that made me, it just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if the show already wasn't tickling my childhood, like this episode, I, I think I, like a schoolgirl, yeah. <laughs> like when I realized where we were in, coming back in, to uh, coming, yeah, coming back to Tatooine and seeing these familiar uh, locations. That not only is there a familiarity because we've been there before, but to to see them use those same camera angles, like Mando walking into the cantina or coming down the stairs into the cantina, it's like that's the same angle that they filmed it in the original movie. Or yeah, very, absolutely. very similar, right? So it just lends itself to that familiarity. And like you can't help but think, like, is it Docking Bay 95? But of course it's not. She tells him to land. There, the dock uh, master tells him where to go, and it's it's not 95, but you're like, oh, but I bet it looks <laughs> but I bet it looks the same. Uh so yeah, it's it's that's amazing. Uh again, you see with the pit droids. You see the pit droids. The three pit droids from, uh from Venom Menace. Yeah, and with uh, yeah, again, you see his trepidation with droids in yeah, general. No droids, uh, which is a theme. Yeah, long running theme. I don't know if we've had our second. I know that the the flashback it gets longer every time they they run through it. But have we yeah, had it both twice times? Now? They do the armor sequences that are flashbacks. Yeah, I believe that the last episode contains the flashback. Yeah, yeah, the reveal the full one. Yeah, yeah. We're introduced to a side character of uh, Pelimato. The uh, mechanic who runs the uh, the docking bay. She's great, actually. She's pretty cool. She's know? pretty cool. Yeah, I really she's, enjoy her. She's feisty, yeah. you know, yes. in the sense that you know, it's almost. I don't want to. I don't want to stereotype, you know, a woman in a man's world, but she has that that feisty, scrappy, like I've earned everything I've gotten, and no, and, she's gritty, and she was like, she's an old enough character to have been on Tatooine. Yeah. the last time we were there, yeah, but we very just much. didn't meet her. Right. Like she's a native of Tatooine, you know? Yeah, I get that people. very much from her as well. Yeah. We get to see the stormtrooper helmets on, on pikes. the pikes. So what and has what I'm has not happened there? That there aren't heads in those pikes <laughs> because there's some sort of undergarment. Yeah. And, what and are... I've done a couple of models actually, and that's why I've looked at these in detail. Yeah, for sure. I have some pictures on Instagram. And there there are what looks like the black hoods that they wear, you know. Yeah. And, we see this in the in the animated series. Um, they they have these like almost like scuba hoods that they, yeah yeah revealed the the body glove you, kind of it's exactly that's the body glove thing. But you see them and they're like black red, like they're drenched in blood. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that yeah, one again just to yeah, try they're, and to they're hanging from the uh, underneath side of the helmet. Yeah, and they're certainly when you look at the helmets in detail, they're they're not these aren't blaster. This, these guys weren't zapped with lasers. These yep. guys' heads were caved in with like you know gaffy sticks or weapons. Like there's and there's blood oozing out of the cracks and stuff. Like there, this was very visceral for me. This was like this is when I knew this was not my father's Star Wars, if you will. So let's jump ahead for a second, and we talked about this on the uh, the bigger Star Wars episode about going into uh, season two that um, the uh, sheriff, the sheriff of Tatooine, uh, who was introduced in the Wendig book. 
Yes. Um, what's his name? Cal. I can't oh think of his my. name off the top of my hand. Uh, but there was mention. Vance. Oh, right. Uh, Cobb Whoa. Vance. Vance Cobb? Cobb? Van- yeah. yeah. Cobb Vance. Cobb Vance. We're all around it. Yes. So yeah. is Cobb Vance, uh, you know, is, is he instrumental in why the stormtroopers are no are, are now uh, ornamentation? Well, certainly. Mm-hmm. While it was only a chapter, he certainly was influential. He, he is the sheriff of Newtown. Yeah, yeah. And so, which was, you know, we're not sure what town that was, but yeah. so, yeah, that, I'm really, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. He, it's such like, a, uh, it's so anathema to what we understand Tatooine to be this lawless fringe frontier, anything goes kind of world. And, you know, certainly the, the Mos Eisley Cantina scene from A New Hope supports that. And then to have, you know, one of the galaxy's biggest, you know, crime lords, you know, make his home there speaks volumes to the state of the law on that planet. Certainly. So, and I mean, the power structure had to change when Leia killed Jabba. Yeah, of course it would have. So, right? so that's, I mean, that's got to that lend void. itself. Well, this is and that it, coincides right? with sort of the end of the galactic civil war too. Yeah. Like the, you know, like they happen within days, if you will. What's going on there that, you know, whatever is left. And I mean, we don't really know. No. Uh, was there a garrison there? Was there just a, a token force of stormtroopers? But... And this is the idea of using a world we're familiar with because yeah. they, Filoni knows that like the deep nerds are going to go, oh, and just and like pour over like the yeah. significance of of the what's going on. That see, that's the most compelling thing for me actually, and I haven't said it yet. Is is that the timeline that this takes place? Uh, five years post uh, Revenge, uh, Return of the Jedi. Right, that's the most interesting time in Star Wars that I can think of because yeah. I, tied to the original trilogy, I want to speculate on what's going to happen immediately after the Battle of Endor when Luke and Leia and Han are still alive and in their yeah. prime. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. I find this period to be so... Like, I made the joke about, you know, kids didn't relate to the prequels because who wants a movie about politics? And, I, and I'm like, I'm in the, I'm standing in the back of the room with my hand up going, me, please. I want to know what's going on. And I'm, I'm in the same boat now. Like what you talk about the power structure and, and uh, you know, the certainly with what's going on in, in, especially with uh, Star Wars squadrons and how like it's, it's very vague about the government and the the new republic and, and who they are and what they are and how do they project themselves and what is their level of governance like I want to know what's going on there's a new book out and it's I, I don't recall the title it's a new book about Star Wars but it, it talks about things like how the first order was able to get so much power yeah uh, because they were a separate government within the new uh, Republic and so the New Republic was very like open like they, they wanted different government you know because you imagine like the separatists were made up of various different types of governments from different systems and things right. like that like, so you get this political f- feeling that like you know after the fall of the empire that there was a lot of chaos because they they really did you know I mean it's in it's in the mission statement if you will right like yep. yeah order to the galaxy yeah right? yeah we're gonna bring order so there, there's 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 some of the totalitarian or not there's some order right to the the police state yeah 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 and so when that's shattered and then you have a major crime lord shattered there there's like yeah this world is like ripe for the taking it yeah there's a huge like, vacuum you know, there 
Yeah, so we we get back to Tatooine, and Mando uh, makes a visit to one of our favorite uh, Star Wars locations, and of course that it is took the, me a uh, second. Yeah, you had to wonder, is it the same place or not? It's and, until I saw the character sitting in Han's seat. That's well, that when I realized. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was. I saw that the the shot leading up to going in the door. I'm like, I can visually in my mind's eye, I can see the two dobacks sitting at the door and, but now the garbage is all cleaned up and there's nothing there. Right. And I'm like, that's the cantina. And then he walks in and I'm like, wait a minute, there's no droid sensor. So maybe it's not. And then to walk down the, uh, walk down the stairs and to see that familiar, that long bar. And, and I'm like, okay, well maybe it is. And then there's a droid behind the bar. Maybe yes. it isn't. And lo and behold, lately, uh, well, in the last few months, we come to find out that that's not just any droid. Why, that's EV-99. That's an amazing, another yeah. deep cut. So, like, another, you know, like, yeah. amazing. Uh, so let's go a little deeper on that. EV-99 for that episode was voiced by Mark Hamill. Really? Yeah. Pro- I did not know that. Kind of processed, but it's Mark Hamill as EV-99. No, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Because the yeah, it's very very close to the uh, yeah. He very very voice. does mimic uh, the original voice. You know, I have need for you on the master's sail barge. And so then we meet the gunslinger. Do you think that he's the gunslinger in the episode? So here's the thing. Like I was having a real hard time with that. You know, like I wanted to think, oh, the gunslinger. It's obvious. It's this uh, this kid, uh, Toro Calican. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, it can't be. He's too young. He's too green. He's too wet behind the ears to have that kind of reputation. So, like, they can't be referring to him. Right. Could they be referring to, you know, his bounty, uh, the Fennec Shand character? That's what I thought. Yeah. I mean. That that was the way I interpreted it. Yeah. 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 But I suppose the, the third way to interpret that is. Is it the mysterious figure at the end of the episode that we hear the, you know, the boots, the ching, 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 and we see the Literally the, boot, the jangle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a passive nod to that character who we hope and think may be revealed coming up in season two? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, I certainly, <laughs> I paused the crap out of that scene. Yeah, me too. To check it out. You know, in in my mind, and I don't know why I went there, because at this point I've removed Boba Fett from my my mind in the sense that, okay, this is not a Boba Fett show. This is about the Mandalorian. And so in my mind, I'm like, what other cool bounty hunters are out there that could still be active? And I my mind went to, well, if Filoni's involved in this, what the hell happened to Cad Bane? So you know that Dengar is in The Rise of Skywalker briefly, yeah? I'm not sure if I was aware of that. Yeah, it, there's a scene. I'd have to look it up. I, I'm gonna I have to go back and watch it, that. But he's too. mostly cyborg. Okay. Perhaps it's actually. Perhaps it's the. Uh, it might be the Force Awakens in Maz Kanata's palace. Oh. Oh. Okay. But he looks like he's a bug-eyed, weird-looking robot guy. Yeah. It, it didn't, except for when you look at the picture and you go, "Oh, he's still in the armor." Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, and then there it actually they it's in the the liner notes of the thing that oh that's Dengar and he's continued to modify his body and modify yeah, his body yeah 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 so he's definitely still kicking around in this era so yeah he could be out there he could be around and I think it's EU but uh, Boba Fett kills IG eighty eight 
on Bespin. Oh, really? And he's actually, there is an IG unit in the background of the Ugnaught scene. Right. Where they're throwing C-3PO's head oh, around. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's guy. right. I do recall seeing that as well, yeah. So, and then yeah, they, yeah. they, it was a comic book, but they, they retroactively made that actually IG-88. Oh, really? And, and that Boba Fett had killed him because uh, he was trying to get a nap Han Solo out from under. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's yeah, a cool yeah, little yeah. side story. So in this episode, we have, um, again, Toro Calican, who we don't find out until later on in the episode, is uh, trying to bring down Fennec Shand. And by doing so, that will get him into the Bounty Hunters Guild. And this is his first job. And of course, Mando tells him that he's out of his mind for even attempting this because she is a ruthless killer who would make short work of him. So It sounds like the Bounty Guild is giving out impossible tasks yeah. to join. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and then, so what? What is it about the kid that compels him to help? Because they, like, there is no, he has no interest. No, not really. In this, I think you know the idea that he's smart enough to realize that the guy that just walked in the room is the biggest guy in the room. You know, it's that whole prison analogy. You know, pick a fight with the biggest guy in there, and they'll leave you alone. Only in this case, it's like here's the biggest guy in the room. So you know, maybe I can use this to my advantage to get what I want and, and, you know, maybe I can grease his palm at the same time. Right. It's true. And it is the trope of the, like, uh, the young, hungry, uh, inexperienced kid trying to like latch himself onto the grizzled veteran. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It is for sure. So Toro Calican played by, uh, Jake Cannavale, not really familiar with any of his other work. I Um, don't think I've ever encountered him before. And then of course, Fennec Shand, that's, um, Ming Na Wen from yes. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and other uh, stuff. She's been around for a long time. She's fantastic in that role. I, I quite liked her, you know, and how by the end of the episode, she's planted the seed that, you know, she's worth more alive than she is dead. Yeah, she's and, got a, a great little character arc there. Yeah, 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 where you, you think like, oh, she's actually going to talk her way out of this. And, uh, of course, she doesn't. But before we can get to that, we we basically have to <laughs> we have to have the cross country tour and in that cross country tour we get so much star wars jammed oh, into this episode can we talk about the speeder bikes for yeah, a second yeah so anakin's speeder bike yeah exactly you have these two speeder bikes they look fantastic and it's like oh wow that that really looks like anakin skywalker's speeder from uh, attack of the clones fantastic Nice little nod to, uh, and what I really liked about this was, you know, you have this scene with those two Tuscan Raiders where, you know, hey, why don't you ask them yourself? And he's like, what? That was one, that was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. The best part is, you know, he's hand signals and he's completely talking to them like with like sign language. Yes. What a, what a development in that species, right? We don't, we don't see throughout the films we don't see much beyond like that's all we ever see monsters they're like automatic they're just gonna hunt you and kill you there's no reasoning with these creatures and there's no trading with no exactly but you know you know even though we see just anakin slaughter them like they're you know and so it's not but in the eu there is like there's a tuscan raider jedi yeah uh oh i can't think of his name yeah yeah but him yeah we get uh, dewbacks. We get a dewback uh, uh, rolling across the desert with a dead rider. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. 
And at first I thought that was going to play into the episode like it was a ploy on the part of Fennec Shan to draw them in, but then, no, it, it really isn't. It's just a dead guy <laughs> getting dragged around by a dewback. Not to say that she may not have already killed that guy. Maybe he was yeah, another... Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a setup. Another bounty hunter She's that on was the already, ridge watching for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So was that another... Again, the, uh, again, he gets shot and the Beskar saves him. Yes. So, like, he's been shot every episode and uh, lives to tell the tale. She gets him twice. Oh, she does. For sure she does. Yeah, shoulder and in the back. Yeah. So there's armor under that cape. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure there is. So yeah, uh, Fennec Shan offers to help Calican capture Mando if he sets her free, but... And you think he, she's that he's going to go for it. I mean, he, you know, he gets up, she gets up, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to take the cuffs off. And next thing you know, <clears throat> puts a round through her and drops her and then thinks that he's going to go after Mando because Mando is worth more than she is because everybody wants him. So he thinks that's his ticket in. <laughs> Little does he know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No dice. And talk about, you know, leveraging his way in there. I mean, I didn't expect him, you know, yes, he was young and kind of wet behind the ears, but he was ruthless enough to know, Oh, I'll get you where it hurts. And, and to camp out at the razor crest at the docking bay and basically hold to hold uh Pelly and the child hostage and basically, Hey, give me what I want. And, uh, He's, he did show a little gumption. He did. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately for him, <laughs> it didn't work out, and no. uh, yeah, he did not. Uh, he did not make it. He was all toenails. <laughs> yeah, another opportunity there. I thought for sure, because the show has made a point of of traveling around, traipsing around the galaxy, and uh, in the words of uh, Obi Wan, you know, picking up another pitiful creature. Yes, I honestly thought that she was going to get on board and and go with them. Because of how she was such a, I don't want to say nursemaid, but she really looked after uh, the child for that episode. I thought, oh, she's a cool I certainly got cool the character. impression that they were building this little dream team of characters. Well, so did I. Run around as like this little mini. The A-Team in space? A, a bit of an ensemble show. <laughs> the A-Team in space. Yeah, the, literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then I'm like, how can you have two mechanics if you got Quill? That's true. Yeah, so... Gunslinger uh, is largely one of my favorite episodes. And like I say, that that I don't want to call it a reveal at the end because it's more of a who is it? It's a uh, it's definitely a mystery box. Yeah. So do we want to speculate on what's going to happen in season two with that one? Because I think that is the one of the biggest elements that is going to come out in the season. Well, certainly the sound effect that was used is the same spur sound effect that they use on. Boba Fett in the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, for sure. Can't be the only person in the entire galaxy to wear spurs. No. Mind you, having Tamura Morrison confirmed for the the next season really lends itself to that, you know, that's probably what's going to happen. And we know that uh, Timothy Oliphant is playing Cobb Vance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's two options there. Well, look look at that trailer. Somebody freeze framed it and and tried to speculate that on there's a scene with the two speeder bikes whipping by with Mando on one of them, sure. And uh, they kind of like have traced the outline of what might be Boba Fett's armor on the speeder bike. Looks like a jetpack for sure. Yeah. I've seen yeah, that, yeah. the image that you're talking about. Yeah. So I paused the image of the 
the shadowy figure leaning over Fennec Shan's body, yeah. and I studied it in as much detail as I could at the resolutions I had available to me, but I thought it looked feminine. You know, I couldn't tell. I mean, all I saw was a boot, you know? Really, is there much more than that? A boot and some fabric kind of blowing in the wind? I just thought, like, there's like a there's like a little cut where you could see, like, leg, and it looked Maybe. like a thin leg to me, like a That's feminine entirely, leg. Entirely I, possible. I could be just grasping at straws. Maybe. And having, having Ahsoka confirmed. I uh, don't think Ahsoka, although, you know what? That's not impossible. It's not impossible for Ahsoka to be there. I mean, if she's if she's tracking the child, that's entirely possible. That's yeah. That's a little bit of what I've I've been thinking. Like at least she could be at odds with what, like the Mandos. Maybe, you know, she could be an antagonist for him. Yeah, for sure, she could be. In terms of her, what she wants to have happen with the child versus what he wants to have happen yeah. with the child as well. You know. Well, and then we don't know where her interests are anymore with her departure from the order. So like, no, it's does, true. does she want, yeah. does she want to, you know, uh, want the child to make sure that, you know, the child grows up, you know, and becomes a Jedi or does she want something else for it? Or I don't know. I just, I don't, I, if I had to say, I would put her very low on my list of who could it be in that scene. And, and as much as I, I don't want it to be, cause I, I really think it I wanted it to be Cad Bane. I don't think I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> oh, Cad Bane would be amazing. I would take yeah. Hondo Anaka too. Oh yeah, I would Hondo. Take, yeah, I would take a few characters. Well, let's put I'd it this way, right? Scene. Like, let's yeah. go back. We talked about the uh, on an earlier episode. We talked about the Star Wars story group and how all these Star Wars projects are now canonized and in continuity with each other. That's right. Hondo Hondo Anaka is alive because he's in the Galaxy's Edge theme park. Yes, absolutely. So he's they alive. They have an exclusive action figure. Those bastards. he's alive. Uh, you can. It's uh, showing up at Toys R Us, by the way. If oh, really? You, yeah, check your Toys R Us because that's okay, where we'll that's where they are. All the Galaxy's Edge uh, theme park figures are at uh, Toys R Us here in Canada. Oh, we'll do. We'll do. Yeah, that's actually. I got a. I got a Hondo and I got a Mountain Trooper uh, last week. Nice. Actually, yeah. Uh, other side note today: <laughs> check your check your EB because Gaming Greats uh, Darth Nihilus came out. And uh, oh, I, picked, wow. I picked one up today, so I do have to check that. Out. Yeah, but we're talking about the Mandalorian. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, for sure, <laughs> yes, for we sure. are. That's next week's episode. So, yeah, the episode ends with this: like, who is it? And we just don't know. And so, my prediction is it's going to be Boba Fett. I just think with everything, because I can't keep my nose out of uh, rumors. Yes. <laughs> You know, I just am too well informed to, to conclude that it's anybody else. So for me, yeah, there's. That's I, who it I is. think I agree. Uh, the the sound bite is very specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that that is that's my sort of uh, smoking gun. Yep. Wow, chapter six, the prisoner. This one, uh, written by stories by Christopher Yost, and then uh, the screenplay is adapted by Yost and Rick Femiua, who is so the also the first episode not written by Favreau, yeah, or Filoni. Uh, is also directed by Rick uh, Femiua. This one, the prisoner. What do we think about the prisoner? This is the one where Mando revisits a, a element of his past, and we get to see some of the people that Mando used to uh, run with. Yeah, it has a nice heist movie feel yeah it, it has some really good uh nods to the political structure in the years after the empire we get to see a new republic 
prison. Prison bars. We get to see them, them highly organized. We get to see uh, the Matt, I think it's Matt Lauer. The, the guy who does the voice of Anakin in the Clone Wars is the, the, the trooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rebel trooper there. So we get to see them. They have, you know, their uniforms are reminiscent of the old ones. That's a little nod that I kind of like. Yeah, I like that too. Um, uh, yeah, so... there's a few a few things like the the ensemble nature of that, like the sort of like the uh, the wild bunch feel of that episode was kind of cool. Another one, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? This uh, one felt almost like it was like a like a heist. Yes, you know, and I I like the 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 whole crew thing and being the odd man out in the crew, but I and I like some of those actors, but I don't know if I like the crew as a as a whole. Do you know what I mean? I like, wouldn't watch a show about that crew. no i definitely would not no i love clancy brown i love him in everything he does yes i just wish he was written a little a little more sinister and a little less thuggy it's true i'm not yeah. a fan of bill burr and it's nothing you know he's he's fine he's probably a beautiful human being i'm not a fan sure, of his sure. comedy he just for whatever reason he, he's like well, he see, rubs for, me the wrong for way. me, I'm not. And so he was really good in that role. Well, I was going to say, like, I'm not familiar with his comedy. Yeah. So his character Mayfield, I thought he, he's a he's a good dick. <laughs> yeah, and that's he's that's his comedy. Yeah, is I that guess so. he's a good dick. Yeah, like, he is very crass and very outspoken and and a bit of an asshole, and that's his mo. And so it it did. It, I was I was worried. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, he's, a, yeah, that's perfect, actually. What I really loved, I don't know about you, but I was a huge, and I got to it late. I, I didn't watch it until it was on Netflix, but I'm a huge fan of the IT crowd. And uh, Richard Iowati as uh, uh, Q90, the droid that actually nice. flew the Razor Crest on that episode. I just, I love him and everything he does. And uh, it was really cool to see him in that. That droid reminded me a little bit of, uh, Zuckus or whatever Bounty they call Droid, them now. Yeah, four L O M. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever that official designation is. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Kenner, for reminded me that of up. that, and uh, also of uh, just well that that sort of model of Droid, and and the, again we're reinforcing the fact that Mando just doesn't doesn't, doesn't care Droids at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about Droids in this episode, I really, really loved the design of the security droids, the New Republic security droids. I have a picture of it on my... Oh, my God. To me, (laughs) they were the next evolution of... Oh, my God. Uh, What's his name? (laughs) Rogue One? What's his name? Uh, Oh, sure. Uh, K2SO. K2SO. They were the next evolution of that model droid, like right down to the big, the hollow knees and the hollow elbows. But instead of being black, they were all silver and they had a slightly different head. Like it was a much, like a little maybe more streamlined, evolved uh, model of the same droid. Like, oh, so so the New New Republic has adopted, you know, on some level they've adopted this technology or they've adopted. For me, it was really nice at graying the political lines. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now the, the Republic is using the resources of wealth and affluence, you know, like. Did you get the uh, the reference, the big, uh, the other droid model in that episode, the big floater, the, I guess it was like a sentry, and it was kind of bulbous on one end and flat on the bottom, had a lot of blasters on it, and then uh, uh, Clancy Brown's Deveronian character, he picks one up and smashes oh, it. slams it into the other one. Yeah. Did you yes. get that that was one of the droids from A New Hope that got unloaded at the Skywalker farm? 
Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I don't think that I did get that. That's a, that's an awesome cut. Yeah, it's Beautiful. one of you can see it in the in the lineup when uh, Owen comes out to buy the droids. I know exactly what you mean now. Yeah, yeah when you're absolutely. looking at the lineup on, I think he's on the far left. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't seen that movie enough to know that. But yeah, it's amazing. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca. Organizers of the annual Toronto Collector's Platoon Toy Show. Check out collectorsplatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit collectorsplatoon.ca today. Yeah, cool, um, really cool uh, scene though, bouncing around in those hallways on the prison barge and then getting a look into some of the cells. And just seeing, you know, hey, who's in here? And you have an Imperial officer in one. And then you have that four-armed monkey species that Favreau played in Solo in another. Yeah. Yeah. I loved all of that. I loved how clever Mando had to be to get out of the prison cell once they double-crossed him and locked him in. Oh, perfect. I like that he's had a romantic interest in the past. With the Twi'lek girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, I, I mean, her character, like, he must have been in a very different place in his life because she just That's rubs me I'm the wrong at. way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, she was just like, what's the word? Viper? Like, very poisonous. Like, just yeah, everything yeah, yeah. she said was just, like, Toxic. vitriolic and bleh. But, you know, one of the highlights of that episode was when, <laughs> when they put the tracker in... Uh, in the brother's uh, uniform. And, That's right. Uh, the New Republic shows up to uh, find out what's going on, and they're like, oh, it's a space station. And Dave looks... Filoni is one of the pilots. So every pilot uh, in that uh, patrol is one of the directors from the series. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But they go to launch a, um, it's a gunship. They, they refer to it. It looks like they're launching some kind of gunship. That is, oh, and I can't think of the name of it, but that was introduced way back in the West End uh, role-playing game it definitely was um oh crap i can't think of the name probably of in the source maybe <sighs> but it is definitely it was definitely there and uh, it's made its way into the x-wing miniatures game as well so that's awesome yeah i love that stuff so yeah and so ends the uh the the prisoner uh, you do get uh the sense too that the republic is actually in control of law and order now well i mean having a prison barge like one, why do we need a barge? Two, where are we transporting them to? Where did they come from? Because there's there's an eclectic mix of passengers on that ship. It's like, do they just fly these? Like, do they just, is it like the raft in Marvel where we just put everybody in one the most place? dangerous criminals are here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do we just put everybody on a barge and float them around in space and then just rotate the one guy out every few weeks to... You know, well, put the, in a fresh the, guy? Like the level of security is just with one sort of sentient being there. Well, yeah, like, exactly. You know, or is it some sort of, you know, barge to transfer to the work planet? Who knows? Like, it could be. It could any, be. But again, that, and I know it's a visual cue for us, but that Imperial was still in uniform. Like, they didn't strip. He wasn't wearing, like, a, a prison uniform. He was wearing no, his, exactly. yeah, his officer's exactly. uniform. So I guess they're, they've been picked up from various places, and they are on their way somewhere, but I'd like to know where. Are they going to Chandrilla, which is the, the seat of the New Republic? Or the head of the New Republic government? I don't know. I don't know. 
You're listening to Fandom Power. So moving on, we're uh, chapter, oh my gosh, chapter seven, The Reckoning. Oh, the man. Reckoning, written by Favreau, directed by, second one for Deborah Chow. And uh, we uh, start this one off with a uh, sketchy holographic um, uh, message from Grief Karga. And uh, basically making a plea to say that uh, Navarro's been overrun by Imperial troops and that the Mandalorian should come back uh, and they can devise a plan to use the child as bait so that they can clean up the town by uh, killing the client. And that, that uh, if Mando can pull that off, he'll be uh, square with the guild again. And so that's got to be the motivation is to just get square with the guild again, because he yeah. knows that while putting the child in immediate danger now is it's better than having to evade danger every day for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And I mean, so I kind of wrestled with the character's choice to actually want to bother. How so? Well, just like he could just walk, you know, like it's definitely a trap. Yeah, 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 of course it is. And so, you know, and he had to have known that. But so the, he still chooses sort of the right thing to do is to like, you know, squ- square everything up. Uh, yeah. Like honorably. Yeah, I guess so. so he I kinda... think that's the sort of the choice that he takes. Takes the moral high ground, knowing that the that his sense of morality may not be shared by the other parties of this of this deal. And certainly that plays out over the course of the episode when you know there's this moment where it's like, oh my god, he's about to get betrayed and shot in the back, and Carga uh, wastes his two goons in front of him. Yes, you know, and it's like, wait, 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 I had a deal, but I I couldn't go through with it. But that happens after the big, and I guess this is really where. This is where I guess where Star Wars takes a bit of a misstep for me where, you know, a lot of people, this goes back to that whole Solo thing where people were so angry at Solo coming out because it was so close to The Last Jedi and Mm. people were so disenchanted with The Last Jedi that they didn't want to give uh, Solo a chance. Yes. This is the episode where they deliberately tried to tie it into uh, The Rise of Skywalker and when we see uh, the child force heal. It's the first time we've seen force healing on screen. I in think Star that Wars. that was a retroactive choice. Do you think so? I think so. And I, I think that the, what they needed to do was what they did was they anticipated the immense amount of backlash yeah. that Ray showing a new power for the first time would have. And so I think that, and it, they, you'll recall that they released this episode early. That is true. It wasn't yes. On a weekly basis. It no, was released it was... the day before the uh, yeah, the Rise yeah. of Skywalker was released. Yeah, it was like the Wednesday. And I think or something. it was released early to canonize that power to try to minimize so, like da- yeah, I guess so. damage control, bro. Maybe, maybe it's funny though because as somebody such a toxic sort of thing going I on know. there, it's just crazy. 
but you and I, as as fans of all things Star Wars, including the EU and especially the role playing game, you know, wouldn't even bat up force healing. Yeah, whatever. It's been around for a while. <laughs> you know I, what I, I mean? I never thought it wasn't. Doesn't Obi Wan force heal Luke in A New Hope? So I kind of, to my understanding of Star Wars, to the depth that I liked, or I guess in my own head canon, yeah, of course he does. Absolutely he does. But I guess uh, maybe not according to the Disney canon. So, But yeah, Force Healing has always been part of the, the games and the supplements and all those things that came before it. So why shouldn't it be? You know, why is it taken this long to have a, a real big display of that? Yeah, I think I, I really felt strongly that because I had read like, oh, there's something in here that, that is important and it ties into and it was that. And I was like, there's no reason to do that. Such yeah. an innocuous thing. Yeah. Unless you're trying to, you know, oh, she's not the first because there was so much crap about her being a Mary Sue and all that. Like, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It bothered me so much because so was Luke. Like Luke, you know, Luke was older than her when he discovered he could use yep. the force. And yeah, so of course he was. That's that negative stuff bothered me a lot. And I thought that there was very much damage control. Maybe on some level, one of the things I liked in this episode, uh, and I, I guess I could say it, it's true of a lot of the other episodes, is that Felonyism or that uh, Felony reference. We get to see again the Blurgs, <laughs> the Blurgs that we've been carrying with us in the ship for the last couple of episodes finally have, yeah, their, yeah. have a moment uh, where they get uh, the one Blurg gets, I guess, killed or swooped away by whatever it is that injures a uh, uh, grief carga. Uh, before the he gets force healed, were but they crate I, dragons? I don't know if they were crate dragons or not. They, I don't think they were big enough. Certainly not big enough to to mimic the skeleton we see on Tatooine back. No, in that certainly a new hope. And I mean, we've seen crate dragons before in other media, and they were never winged. They were just no. That's giant, very true too. Giant lizards. They had a Minoc vibe. Yeah, they did have a Minoc vibe, didn't they? Yeah. But yeah, uh, cool to see Blurgs translated from animation over to live action. Excellent. Uh, yes. Even if it did get eaten by a flying giant Minoc. But then again, uh, I guess back on that episode on the uh, on Soren, not Soren because that's the girl's name, not the planet, the planet with the uh, the thugs, the gang. Did you notice uh, the Loth cat that was in the building? Yes. Yeah, I really liked yeah, that. I, I rewatched uh, today before we we started recording. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Lauren was like, oh, yeah, it's Lothcat. Because we just finished watching Rebels. Yeah, I too. just love that stuff. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing all of these things. I love seeing the the different elements making the leap to other medium and to see it, again, to see something that I've only visualized in animation in live action and how, you know, Yes, it looks kind of weird, but it's like, oh, that—that that is what a Lothcat would look like in real life. <laughs> I screamed live-action Lothcat. Yeah, that was CG. <laughs> yeah, so the betrayal doesn't happen, and Karga comes clean that he couldn't go through with it because by this time now we've we've witnessed the four ceiling for the first time, and he's like, no, I can't do it. So, and and another thing is that they explain that ability in one of the periphery books. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That you t you take on a part of the person's like essence, their yeah, life force. Even Ray had made a, she made that assertion when she did the same thing to that big right. So worm. was it the actual healing that changes his heart? I I don't you know what I mean. Like part of maybe? the child's essence is inside. That's him entirely now? possible when yeah, you say that. Like that's kind of the way I felt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, with animals, it's a bit. 
I'm, I guess I'm thinking a little bit more about uh, Rise of Skywalker when Ray does it with that worm thing. I mean, she's sure. she's healing an animal, and I don't think an animal is inherently like good or evil. So, no, does she take on you know any of that the animalistic tendencies, or does she just like oh, it's an animal that does its thing, and you know I'm just helping it. Like, I guess it's I different. Got the impression it was one way. Yeah, 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 very much. Yeah. So we uh, we get to get revisited by um, Quill again. Uh, because now we need to, we need. We're getting all, the dream team together. Yeah, like we need all hands on deck to uh, pull this one off, and we get the big reveal that Quill has uh, has resurrected IG Eleven, and Mando's not very happy about it. But at the same time, Quill is able to convince him that it's okay that you know he's trained the droid to be uh, to be an, an assistant and not a. I love the montage. Not a kill. Yeah, the training montage of learning it's how fantastic. to walk. He drops the crate on the creature. Poor <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some great little slapstick moments there. Yeah, it, very much like the uh, the pit droids, you know, that, that same style of slapstick, you know. It reminded me of the the early C-3PO stuff on from Phantom Menace too. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Movement. Yeah, yeah, that and and uh, almost like the uh, in a goofy scene, you know, when three PO's head gets uh, welded onto that the battle droid, and he's just so <laughs> yeah, awkward. Yeah, yes, yes. But there's a similar awkwardness to IG Eleven there, where he's like learning fine motor skills and stuff. But really, what a way to dive into droids are more than just you know inanimate, you know, servants. You know that there's more to them. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I always had the impression that they were more, at least that they could be more than uh, just servants, that they were like something, um, it sounds bad, but like uh, the way I feel about my pets is different than maybe the way most people feel about pets. But sure. Like that they're like part of the family, like they're, they're, they're friends. Yep. They're, they're a different species. They yeah. have totally different sets of emotions and parameters and things, but that like, so I always thought of them as on that level of being a pet yeah you know that was the intention for chewbacca but i always felt chewbacca was a character where i felt droids were almost filled that role but i yeah. still sort of feel yeah. like the word is wrong but i get what you're saying though and i i totally i understand that and i on some level i agree with that but then we've again we've seen you know there's enough creatures in star wars like where where does the line get blurred? Like Kowaki and monkey lizard, you know, like part yeah, pet, they did part some, yeah. something this else. Again, this is not your dad's Star Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this episode has a, a another twist, and that's uh, we get to the. This is the one that has the. Uh, I thought you said there was only four droids or four stormtroopers, right. and he's like, "Well, it was in his office, but uh, you know." As we head into town, we realize that it's a. Uh, it's a much more different situation than we were appraised of, and and the town is literally bristling with uh, with troopers everywhere. Entire garrison. Yeah, and this is pretty cool because this is the point in the show where, you know, the creators realize, oh, we don't have enough stormtroopers. What are we gonna do? And so they elicit the aid of the local five hundred and first garrison. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, who are like, yeah, we'll definitely come and do that. So. Really cool to be a Star Wars fan. Wish I was part of the garrison down there where they were filming because I definitely would have went out and done that. Oh, man, in a heartbeat. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, even the, the separate armors lent themselves to that because it's yep. you know there's a little bit of ragtag biz going on there. That 
handmade quality that, you know, all the armors are made by their wares and there may be some variants. And, you know, I mean, the 501st, you know, if you've never checked them out, has a very has very exacting standards of what they're looking for for membership because they they expect you to go out and troop and be part of functions and events and fundraise and do all this stuff. And they don't, they want their name to be represented very well. They require the black series helmets (laughs) or or more. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, 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 for sure. So we're face to face with the client again, back at the cantina. And, uh, you know, there's this moment where I'm like, are they going to cut a deal? Like, Cause I really thought that, oh great, we're gonna see more of uh, Werner Herzog's character. And, sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, because I kind of thought that he would be. I wanted him to be the big bad. I wanted him to keep going, and then he uh, was fantastic. He he really was powerful on screen. Yeah, and uh, then to have the scene where he steps right up to him. I believe it's this episode when he he's talking about, oh look at the armor you're wearing, and it's so beautiful when crafted by its native yeah, artisans. Yeah, yeah. And he he puts his hand up as if to stroke his cheek. Yeah, or maybe even to give him backhand. Yeah, it's yeah. like, the, and he hesitates a little. It's such a nice little piece of acting. He just puts his hand up, like, is it gonna hit him? Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Really stroke his cheek, like, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's going, going on, on here? <laughs> Excuse me, I have to take this call. Really, really good. Uh, I, I really, I did, I did too. I was disappointed a little bit when he was. Uh, but yet, at the same time, like you know, going back to that scene in a new hope when we're sitting at the, uh, I guess the planning table on the death star and you've That's got, right. you've got all the moths or all the, the governors that are sitting there talking and you know that there's a, there's a, a pecking order there and you're not exactly sure who's who in the zoo until, you know, Vader steps in and goes, okay. And then Tarkin is like, release him. And like, Oh, that's the guy in charge. So, you know, even these big baddies, you know, there's a bigger baddie somewhere. And, always and, a bigger fish. Yeah. And so to have this, you know, I got to take a phone call and it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh yeah. They're here. And it lends uh, more uh, emphasis to that. There's like still a significant amount of structure. Yeah. To the remnant empire. Yeah. Because I, that's something that I always found to be quite fascinating in the old EU was like, again, the power vacuum and you have individual, you know, even the first episode looking at the client and looking how he's, he's diverged from wearing the standard pattern officer's uniform. And he's added a cloak with a fur rim and he's wearing the big gaudy Imperial medallion around his neck. Right. Like, yeah. It's almost oh, like a metal. Yeah. So like these guys have, or maybe it is a metal for all I know. Yeah. 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 The opposite of the battle. Of the sure. Army. Sure. Sure. So these guys are like, you know, they're really wild westing it where it's like, eh, you know, I'm still in the military sort of, but now I'm kind of my own little warlord and I can kind of do whatever I want. And, you know, like I really thought that they were going to dive heavy into that to, that there was a disparity within the Imperial ranks. You played the, um, battlefront two game, the first person story mode, uh, yeah. it wasn't the greatest in the world, but it did have a few snippets that Palpatine had left specific orders i did catch some of the i saw some of the the uh cut scenes online but i, I never right, played it yeah so he left specific orders to specific officers uh yeah. to you know to for some to go here for some to go there and for some to retreat to the the unknown regions which inevitably was where exegol exegol yeah 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 so then uh yeah <laughs> Lo and behold, the uh, in a cacophony of uh, blaster fire, the window erupts. The client is cut down, 
along with uh, everybody else in the bar that isn't a principal character. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it coming, actually. No, neither did I. It was, it was nice. such a... Nice uh, to be surprised. Yeah, very much so. And now we're, you know, we're at a bit of a, oh, what are we going to do? And uh, they don't know what to do. <laughs> I was actually surprised that there was as much dialogue and exposition there between Gideon and the rest of them, you know, that they didn't just literally march in and, and take it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think they were setting up what kind of villain he was. And yeah. So he's the kind of villain that gets inside your head. He knows everything about you. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like by, by having him break down who the members of the room are in, and finally we get the name of our hero. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But by him having all that information, it makes him very powerful. Information is crazy powerful. Yeah. And in this time of power vacuums and, weird political alliances and, and, you know, uncertainties. He seems to have a lot of power. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not all he has, but that's, oh, man. <laughs> that's, co- that's coming later. <laughs> oh. Oh. But before we get into the, um, into the whole cutting a deal, I mean, we find out that Mando is smart enough to know that there's going to be a double cross here somewhere and he needs, he needs some kind of leverage. So he, hands off the child to Quill uh, to run back to the Razor Crest and basically hide out there. And if something happens, take the ship and go. That's and right. uh, we have the, the sort of the, the end of the episode is this, you know, like Quill, are you, are you there yet? No, not yet. And we have two scout troopers who are dispatched to go and basically retrieve the child. And the episode ends in this cliffhanger, like, uh oh, what's gonna happen next? Which brings That's us, right. I guess, to our final oh, chapter eight, Redemption, the final episode of the uh, first season of Mandalorian, premiered on December twenty seventh, twenty nineteen, written by John Favreau and directed by IG Eleven himself, Taika Waititi. I couldn't even think about Christmas. <laughs> I was just like, the Christmas needs to be over now, so I can yeah. watch this freaking last episode. Uh, I felt the same way. I was so, I was so invested in this show that I just there was nothing else on TV for me during this period. Absolutely, I watched each episode, and then, you know, if I wasn't going back and just picking up like highlights of things I thought I missed, I would just outrightly watch the episode over again. I did a thing where, and it was it was very time consuming by the end, but I did a thing where I watched episode one. Yeah, and then. Right before episode two, I watched episode one. And then right before episode three, I watched episode one, one and two. two. And so <laughs> oh, I, wow. I managed to actually do that for the entire season. So the day of, since the good thing it was a holiday week, yeah. uh, the day of episode eight was like a four hour endeavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, by the time really... you get there, you've seen the first episode eight times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this is it. Yeah, so it, it doesn't, It I watched them all again today and it yeah. doesn't get... It, no, it, it really got, doesn't. I'm not burnt out by no. it. I, I see new stuff in the background. I enjoy no, me neither. the performances of the actors more and more. Yeah, I've watched it uh, front to back three times. Like I said before, I'm probably going to watch it again one more time before next week, uh, just so yeah. that I'm fresh for uh, the premiere. But we can't get to the premiere until we have the uh, That's right. the cliffhanger ending, and that is Chapter 8, Redemption. So... In the last episode, we left off with uh, Quill 
running back to the ship and uh we kind of pick up where we left off and uh things are not looking very good for quill and uh unfortunately uh he does not make it no i was i was heartbroken actually yeah 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 i was really pulling for him but it's nice to see the show has actual stakes it really does yeah yeah not in a and not in a Game of Thrones kind of way where it's no, like no, don't no. don't invest in any single character because they're zero no. character immunity is a novelty. Yeah, exactly. That's what was so compelling about those novels in the show when it first started. Yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. really just a trope. Yeah, for sure it is. You know what I mean? It's part of the problem with comic books. Yeah, is when you kill Robin off in such a dramatic way, but you bring him back three months later. Yeah, it loses all its oomph. So. It's got to mean something. Dead is dead. Yeah. You know, I mean, not for Jedi, but. <laughs> wow. But so it has to carry some weight and it has to be important. And it was actually the perfect character to kill off. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I had to pick one of the, the core characters, I, I mean, if it wasn't him, you know, it would have been Karga. I mean, Karga He's not was the, the fighter in the group. Yeah. So he, it, it it's not his sense. name on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's also, a, Nick Nolte is expensive. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty simplistic look at it, but yeah, I mean, if not, if not Quill, then Grief Cargo would have been my pick to uh, eliminate somebody. Yeah, so Quill doesn't make it, but uh, he gets far enough. It's funny, you know, it's like he's so close, but not close enough, but yet close enough that IG-11 takes notice. <laughs> Definitely. You know, and uh, to have him come out and say, you know, hey, uh, I'm that child's nurse, give me back my kid. You know, and then these two scout troopers are like, what? They just don't know what to do about it, right? It's pretty great. You get that moment, and it's Jason Sudeikis from Saturday Night Live. And yeah. And the other guy's a comedian, too. And uh, I can't his name. Oh, my Lord. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna get it because I know it. Uh, Perfect. Adam Pally. There it is. Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis. Are the it's two, a great uh, scene. Two and and apparently scenes. there was a lot of backlash for those actors because they punched the child in the scene several yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got like personally attacked on social media because of it. That's really unfortunate though because they're just, they're doing a job and they're doing it so well. Oh, really good. And the uh, for me, the I, even though that like there was some comedy, well, the, the scene I'm talking about is comedy too, but... For me, the best part of that scene was when they got bored and started yes. shooting at that piece of metal on the ground. I know, and, and then don't hit it. Missing clean. <laughs> and it was just like, that was such a like. That's one um, of the, there's there's some Star Wars comedy gold Good for you filmmaking right lets yeah. you breathe right yep. before you have to hold your breath. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So that scene was about breathing before we hold our breath and drive to the finale. Like it's, it's like a mad dash. You can't tell me that, you know, these troops in the empire don't, you know, just like being in a real military, you have weeks and and months of like sheer boredom that is interjected with moments of pure chaos. And so in those boredom moments, what do you do? You have small talk, just like the two troopers on the uh, platform by the uh the tractor beam generator they say the t-16s are quite the thing right and then it happened again in rogue one when they were talking about phasing out the rifles and getting the new rifles and yeah like it just again is it a is it a star wars trope maybe but at the same it lends time a little humanity to, it does yeah uh, them too yeah it does it, it makes it just makes <clears> them more <throat> real and especially you know when you're you know that the bulk of the imperial military came from a, a cloned force. Well, the clones never had conversations like that. So these guys must be like actual people, right? 
Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Quill's dead, um, and now everybody's dead uh, except for our, our principals, and we've got IG-11 with the child in tow, basically run into town as the literal cavalry. <laughs> like singular cavalry. Yeah. And uh, that's a great scene of, of the, just the, the way he's twisting and turning and shooting and, and protecting the child all yeah. at the same time. Yeah. 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 He's actually taking a lot of damage in that scene too. He's not getting away clean. It's not like he's, you know, he's no. actually taking quite a bit of damage in that scene. No. And this is just like, this is in line with the whole, uh, you know, Mando gets shot every episode it's real stakes. It's real, you know, consequences. There's genuine vulnerability. Yeah, for all sure the there characters. is. For sure there is. And uh, what's really cool in this episode is we get another, uh, we get another little Star Wars throwback, and we get the uh, Flame Trooper, which is oh, a callback. So to, good. Uh, I think Flame Troopers were a big part of uh, the uh, Force Unleashed. It was Force Unleashed, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right down to the paint scheme, right? Like the, oh, the red. it was awesome when they yeah, burned so them out. Yeah, so nice little oh. nod to fans who picked that out. But yeah, and then, uh, you know, we can't actually get to the, the flame, uh, the burning of our heroes, because by this time, IG-11 has uh, basically uh, run the blockade, as it were, and has reunited the child with the rest of the heroes, and the child displays his use of the force one more time revealing yeah, that he, he huge can, one he for can me, that's way bigger than levitating a he beast. can stop fire he's like created a force field yeah and he he basically pushes it back yeah it's very reminiscent of uh kylo, kylo ren holding a blaster bolt midair you know crazy innate force abilities yeah in this yeah yeah so wow uh where do we go after that so more running and gunning, and we have to escape. So what do we do? We cut a hole in the in the grate, kind of like uh, diving into the uh, trash compactor, and we go out the back door. Classic um, escape through the sewers. Yeah, but along the way, Mando gets wounded. He gets uh, takes a shot right to the dome, and for a while there, you think, uh-oh, is he going to make it or not? Because he's convinced he's dying, and he's like, leave me, I'm not going to make it. But they uh, they refuse to. And uh, he has that scene with uh, when they all go through the, the thing except for IG. Yeah. And they have that scene, which it was, you know, it's a droid, but it humanizes him. It's a real touching you know. moment, too. And uh, I buy him taking like the, the helmet off was it, it, certainly the actor uh, needs that. There's a certain degree of we have to have the star's face in it. Yeah. So it's kind of a. It's a fine line to walk when you're a character that never shows your face, but you're yeah. a very handsome actor, and you could certainly sell a lot more, put a lot more female butts in the seats, if you will, yeah, I guess by so. showing your face a lot. Yeah. So I, I really felt that it worked for the story. Yeah. Uh, and that the, that line where he was he was still willing to kill him. Oh yeah. Rather than show his face, but then that line where he's like, "Well, as you're so fond of pointing out, I'm I'm not really uh, I'm sent, not alive. I'm not really a person." Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, I'm not a living thing. So. Exactly. So it really worked. And then the little uh, nod to the Empire Strikes Back uh, and uh, you, the medic there, yeah. the little back to spray, which apparently yeah. recovers everything, including traumatic yeah. Death, yeah. death wounds to the head. Traumatic uh, brain injuries. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but by this time, you know, we've had a few, you know, our, our, the interactions with the droids, they've become less 
like you say early on in the show, he's very much adamant, like no droids. But by the time we get to this scene, like we've seen his stance on them kind of soften a little bit, Certainly. you know, and it's, and it's been over time, you know, like it's not just this flip a switch and suddenly they're okay. But you know, this really puts sort of the final maybe droids. Yeah, maybe <laughs> this one saved my life. So maybe, yeah. they're, maybe they're okay. Maybe on a case by case. basis. Yeah. 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 So then, of course, they're left with where do we go? Well, there was an enclave here, so maybe we can go there and uh, come to find out that uh, the enclave looks like they uh, they have not fared uh, very well. Very well in that battle at all. No, the pile of helmets yeah. and armor, yeah, very and striking, it's very harrowing. very Kind of heartbreaking too, right? Yes. The last time we saw everybody... They were, you know, they were fighting and it was like this return to this, like, you know, the Mandalore of old, right? You know, in our warrior ways. And, oh, well, apparently they didn't, they didn't do so well. But hey, surprise, the armorer made it. Yeah. Well, she probably never left. I don't think she left at all. And I mean, for her, like she had a purpose to be there, not just, and not just. seems to indicate that some people may have escaped off world. Yeah. 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 I think you'll see Favreau's character again. Yeah. Oh, did I just skip over that? It I did. I just skipped over the whole um the whole escape through the uh the lava oh, tunnel. Oh, through the lava tunnel. The lava tunnel, yeah. Yeah, we did, yeah. Which is yeah. another great moment. It is a great moment, uh, in the the self sacrifice. But the other thing I really liked from a visual standpoint was the molten or the solidified magma, the the volcanic rock that basically had encased the uh droid what you think is an astromech droid, but then they, I loved that the droid kind of breaks out of the, the shell and it stands up and it's like, Oh, it's part astromech part, something else. Oh it's my got, God. It's an astromech with like, you know, uh, with K2SO's legs, arms and legs. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Actually. Like, yeah. Why, I loved why it. not? Totally loved it. It was very inspiring from a, from a role-playing stance. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But they do, they make it out. He sacrifices himself with his, uh, his primary programming that if he's going to be compromised, that he has to uh, self-destruct, which I felt was kind of contrived, you know, like, how do you, like, what's you're you're a bounty hunter. You're, you're an assassin droid turned bounty hunter. So why, like who, who builds that kind of thing? I thought it was part of his flawed character. It seemed to be like his go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Must like self-destruct. He used it several times. Yeah, yeah. No, don't self-destruct. Oh, okay. Not yeah. now. Like he's so he his primary programming is so important to him that he at the drop of a hat almost yeah, he's yeah. like well I'll just self destruct then. But is that just a him thing or is that like I thought all it was droids I kind of thought model. it was part of his personality. Just him. Oh, you know I it's guess just, it, yeah, a very yeah. extreme personality. Like oh, I'm yeah. not, there's no gray areas. Oh yeah, well I'll self destruct. You, you kind of think that that's a piece that maybe Taika Waititi had added to that character, like on a personal also his, level. His his uh, comedic timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, He's really funny. I mean, if you you've seen part of Thor Ragnarok, that too. And have you seen Jojo Rabbit? I have not. Check out Jojo Rabbit because his his lines as Hitler, you know, (laughs) yeah, really, yeah, yeah. He plays he plays a a version of Hitler in this movie, and his the conversations that he has with this kid are just like so off the wall. It's like, oh yeah, that's totally him. But yeah, so. uh, you know, self-sacrifice, and uh, maybe it uh, sends a message to Mando that not all droids are bad, and that a thermal can... detonator in his yeah. chest. Yeah, 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 yeah. The nice touch too, because it's very clearly, you know, looks like the one that uh, Leia is holding in Jabba's yes. palace. Yeah. 
so we get back to the armorer, and uh, the armorer kind of puts uh, puts our uh, our our hero, who's revealed to be uh, Dinjarin. Uh, she puts him on a on a quest, and that is to uh, reunite the child with its uh, with its people, with enemy space wizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that line. Yeah, but not before she is able to craft. Uh, you know, after the uh, the the tale is told, she informs him that he has indeed earned his signet, and uh, the mudhorn it becomes his his signet on his uh, shoulder, much the same way that Boba Fett's armor bears the uh, the mythosaur. The mythosaur, yeah. Yeah. So I mean. And then he gets uh, a jetpack. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she tells him his armor is complete. Yes. Uh, she asks him specifically if he'd, if he'd had, I can't remember the words, but she basically asks him if he's had flight training, and he's like... Yeah, have you trained? And it's suggesting that, that she hasn't known him yeah. or been responsible for training him for all that long. Right. Perhaps. I don't feel like the, that she fits the role of there is a mentorship role there, but I I feel like it's much more spiritual leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, like almost like the, and not saying like I mean the especially in the new Disney canon, there are like a ton of like strong female Mandalorian characters who are very capable of of you know waging war and combat and all that stuff. But I get the feeling like the armorer's role was more of a spiritual leader than a than a, you know, a, a, a general per se. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. So take the child, uh, to find his own and return it, return it to its kind. So that plan is immediately foiled because, you know, uh, Moff Gideon, who is really upset at this point, uh, to the point where he's basically massacred his own troops is now running them down in a TIE fighter. And it's a, it's a new variant that we've never seen before with, with, with almost like S foils. Yeah. Yeah. So come to find out recently that that is actually been designated as what they call the outland tie. Outland. Yeah. The outland tie, which meant that it, it, like you say, like these, the S foils or the solar panels are able to fold so that the tie could actually land. And I guess that's sort of a, a way of, you know, not having the imperial infrastructure of like the racking in a star destroyer. What do you do if your ships are planet bound? Yes. Yeah, no, it was a nice touch for me. I like yeah, it. it was it was a nice touch. <clears throat> and uh so we have a big showdown and uh again it's a kind of a run and gun and uh you know, you can't give a guy a new toy and expect him not to play with it. Oh man. So what do we get from that? We get him uh on the wing and uh Latches himself onto Gideon's tie and then tries another to... uh, sort of Iron Man, yeah, type yeah, scene, yeah, like uh, holding on to the uh, what were they F twenty twos? I guess that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tries to uh, blast his way in. That doesn't prove to be successful. So, hey, I'll just take these explosives and I'll plant them on the uh, on the hull, and we'll go from there. And uh, it uh, isn't enough to destroy the tie, but it certainly is enough to take it down, which gives our hero enough ch- enough time to escape and uh that really kind of brings his story to an end 
but we are left with this one last striking visual. And by now, it's it's not really a big secret, but um, you know the jaw, <laughs> those Jawas were in for a bit of a shock there. They thought they were going to scavenge that tie, and then you know we see the the durasteel of the hull start to glow, and oh. we see the the poking through of a uh, of a very unique lightsaber blade, and of course it's the dark saber. I I literally crapped myself. I, oh, so did I. Figuratively crapped myself. I lost my mind. My uh, my wife knew nothing about the dark saber. She's not a, a fan of Clone Wars, and she didn't. She knew, you know. She kind of was around when I was watching Rebels, so she mm. she was like, "I've seen it, but I don't know what it is." And so I instant immediately made her go back, and I made her watch all of the episodes of Clone Wars and all so of the that was a super of, super big piece of redemption for me because during the build up to the uh, Rise of Skywalker, yeah, in the trailer with the dagger. Yeah. I had become convinced that that was the dagger of Mortis. Yeah. So that was a big, yeah. I, that was sort of a leading theory in and the I fan was world. like, why would you drop a ball like that? It, it, yeah. And then, so now when I saw the dark saber, I thought, oh, that's catharsis. Very much so. <laughs> it Very really so. was. I just, I, I went, oh, <laughs> you know, like this guy gets it. Yeah. So here we have Moff Gideon standing on the wreckage of his broken tie, wielding the dark saber, and then that just brings up all kinds of questions about oh, you know, and f- you know, at that point, I I had paid attention to him. He was the next villain. Yep. But when I saw him standing there with the dark saber, I had yep. to pause it, and he, like that's when I started to look at what he was wearing, his armor. Yeah. It's like he's wearing like a modified version of what Veers wears. Yeah. Uh, sort of the mud trooper armor. Yeah, yeah, armor very much. Vest. Yeah, he's wearing a cloak. He's got crazy big shoulder plaids that reminiscent yeah. of Vader. Yeah, so you it kind of lends itself to that idea that you know there there is sort of uh, there's some non uniformity amongst what's left of the Empire, and they're just kind of doing their own thing. So, you know, if Werner Herzog's uh, client character can get away with uh, fur and a and a giant gong around his neck. You know, and if that's any indication of how big of a badass he is, then what yeah. does that say for Gideon, right? Well, and and even Mando seems to know a thing or two about him because he's like, this is the guy that was there for the the purge. Yeah, and they reference it as the uh, the night of a thousand tears. Yeah, and I mean, again, all these questions that just kind of come, come flooding into my head. It's like they have that whole conversation about why does he know who we are? And, and then there's like, Oh, he was a, an ISB agent on Mandalore right, during yeah, just during yes. the purge. And I mean, the ISB, the Imperial security bureau, I mean, it's almost like, you know, they're like a cross between how do you, how do you describe them? Like, like secret service agents who are like internal affairs, you know, of a, of a policing agency, you know, like they kind of, you know, they're, they're policing themselves, but their methods are maybe yeah, yeah, they're, a little yeah, sinister. They are like internal affairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Military police, kind of. You know, in yeah, like well, I guess in Canada it would be like our NIS, the National Investigation Service. Yeah, but yeah. So where does he come from? What's his operational history? And then for him to be in possession of the dark saber, oh. knowing the lore behind that and what it symbolizes to the Mandalorian culture. It's like, oh my god! Like, what wh- does Mandalore still exist as a planet? I, I kept saying like every episode was getting more Star Wars and more Star Wars and yeah. more Star Wars, and then 
literally the cliffhanger to the season got as Star Wars as it could friggin' get. <laughs> yeah. I have you know to agree I mean? with you. I do. I agree with you. On, uh, and it on, left uh, me just like, I was a gog. I, I, my jaw was like sitting in my lap. I was just like, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. 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 Fantastic. So that's uh, that's season one in a nutshell, and uh, it's a quite a long nutshell actually. We've uh, I never expected it to take this long, but hey, what do you know? If we got to cut it in half, we'll cut it in half. But certainly, it doesn't change the fact that people can cons- people can consume it sort of however they want to. Any uh, any final thoughts on season one before we just take a quick uh, riff on what we think is gonna how season two is gonna start off? Uh, it lived up to every expectation I had. And it went so far beyond them. It makes me nervous for season two. <laughs> it, it, it was so strong of of a, a freshman outing. Yeah, uh, I can scarcely believe it. I uh, I participated in several online groups that are you know pop culture oriented, and and a guy had posted, uh, um, you know the the meme with the guy sitting at the bench, and it's like such and such a thing thing, and it's like change my mind. Yes. Have you seen that? So this one said season one of the boys was the best first season of television ever changed my mind. And then I responded with, this is the way, yeah. you know, like this is easily some of, Oh my God. Uh, I have not been in as invested in a television show like the Mandalorian since the rebooted Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, like, for me, it was lost until they yeah. shut the bed, which well, scares yeah. me a yeah. lot too. <laughs> um, but I agree. I agree. I was ready to consume Star Wars in any like you could have put aspartame in it, and I probably would have drank yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. when you when you you gave me a masterpiece, yeah, uh, I can't I can't say enough. I I can't. It's a golden age of Star Wars right now. I would agree with you on that. Like uh, there's. The, uh, the what came before was like you know it's so nostalgic and informs everything that came after it but yep. this is like to be an adult and yep. to have those connections to what came before and then to be have access to such a broad scope and to have it done so well yeah and if it really does feel like maybe a renaissance is better than a golden oh age. absolutely and i mean we didn't even touch on the filmmaking aspect of this show at all and i mean that's a whole conversation for another they've time they've reinvented like, the wheel this again, is what i mean like which is what lucas kept doing time that's right. and again star and, wars and if anything star wars has built a reputation on innovation and this is no different it's it's all of hollywood's r&d department yeah 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 so just quick predictions where do you think season two is going to go well we know a few things and i don't know if i like that i know them is this based uh, on speculation or is this based it's on... It's based on casting yeah. uh, information that we have. We have some... We have. We know... So why don't we get the, get the big ones out of the way? We can... We, we can, know that Rosario Dawson yeah. will be playing Ahsoka Tano. We sure. don't know how... You know, I can't picture her being a recurring character. Uh, uh, I'm, and maybe... So let me... No. Sorry. Not... I can picture her being a recurring character, but I can't picture her joining the cast in any significant way. Certainly not the way that she joined the rebels, the ghost crew. No. Um, we know that Sasha gray, I believe has been cast. We don't know her role yet, but it seems to, this is that era where her and Sabine or Ahsoka and Sabine were so tight. Yeah. That, that, that lends itself to a little bit of 
stuff. We know that Timothy Oliphant has been cast as Cobb Vance, and we That's know right. from the Aftermath novels that he is in possession of Boba Fett's armor. Yeah. And we know that uh, Tamara Morrison has been cast, and, and the rumor is that it was to play Boba Fett, yeah, but it could also be old Rex in my mind, and that's almost more compelling to me. I'm right there with you on that. You know, like Rex, Rex is a reason for Ahsoka to want to check back in because they had a, such a tight relationship. Yes. Yeah. And um, an amazing character. So there's a, there's a thing. I don't know if you if you uh, got this or not, and maybe I don't want to say I'm pulling this out of my butt, but recently there was you know how they retcon stuff. Yes. So there's a retconning that says one of the um, one of the troopers, one of the rebel troopers on Endor, and it's an older gentleman with a with a gray goatee. They've retconned mm-hmm. to say that's Rex. Yes. That he was there for the Battle of Endor. So, yeah, I, I remember seeing that image years ago, yeah. and I can't remember whether I like you say I can't remember whether I, it popped into my head first or not. But yeah. I remember seeing it and going that yeah in their camo style outfits yeah. and stuff. And it was a guy with a, you couldn't, he had a helmet on, so you couldn't see he was bald and he definitely had the white goatee. Yeah. And that's, that's great. I, that, that's completely fine with me that Rex was leading a strike team alongside Han Solo on Endor. I would love no to see, they won. I would love to see more of Tamira Morrison's face. That's not CGI'd <laughs> like actual, Certainly. actual acting. <laughs> so Certainly. Yeah, I am, I am absolutely. all for more of him in any capacity. Cause I think he's a great actor and doesn't get enough credit. He could certainly play multiple roles yeah. in the show. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god, yeah, of course he can. Presumably still I think that would be oodles f- of clones around. That right? would make for a wicked, you know, face off Rex facing off, you know, Boba Fett and, oh. and having some sort of, you know, because Rex and his experience with the clones and my brothers and this and that, like to speak to Boba Fett as a as a clone brother is probably mm. a conversation he's never had before. You know, this, that, that's that's very true. Yeah, I think that um, would be a fantastic uh, meeting. Super interested at seeing the uh, child develop in the force. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't aware that there'd be any, like I thought it was going to be a gunslinger show, and it is. Oh, yeah, for I, sure it is. Um, it's very, very deep in terms of the that, and I'm, so I'm looking forward to that now. Um, yeah. There's going to be a lightsaber combat of some kind. Yeah, I think so I too. Mean, probably, <laughs> you know. Probably, and, uh, you know, I mean if it if they save it right to the end like like you say, we know that Ahsoka is going to be back. Rosario Dawson is confirmed to cast uh in the ca- in the role. That's right. You know, does Gideon have any kind of martial training where he is, you know, so adept with a lightsaber that she's the only one that can bring him down or even possibly force sensitive? Well, like there is that as well. Yeah, so the other question I have, so going into season two, uh, staying with that sort of the Jedi lore is the rumor is that that ice planet is Ilum. It looks very much like Ilum to me. And yeah. therefore they're looking for Kyber crystals. Yeah. Yeah. It's a logical leap to me. I'd like to know how they connect that dot to go to Ilum. Like what, who or what is going to put them on the path to go there? Certainly. Yeah, and I think that's going to be certainly that'll be fleshed out uh, in the first couple of episodes. Who knows when? I mean, that trailer doesn't really kind of give you any indication of where in the season they're gonna, like when they're gonna get there. Whether it's and early although it's or in late. the periphery and it's not explained at all in the friggin' sequel movies, which could have been just done in an offhanded line. But Ilum yeah. is in fact 
Starkiller Star base. base. It's touched on in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Right. Yes. When uh, Cal Kestis goes there, and it's still it's still called Ilum, but by the time yes. he goes there, they are well on their way to excavating that uh, that trench. Right, and they've got. There are no kyber kit. They've just gutted the kyber crystals. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, any more predictions you want to touch on, or do you think we uh, we've covered it all? I think I think we we were extensive. If we missed something, forgive us. But we were extensive. Yeah. And I well, I, I can't I, wait. I can't believe it's been a year, and I can't wait for another week. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Andy, you got some closing remarks. Uh, my only thought: Are they going to touch on more groundwork for the first order? That's yeah. So, the... I I do believe that that, that we are going to see, and I. I hate to say this because I love the storytelling that's going on and I love the creative flexibility, but I think the the machine, the corporate machine is going to, will, out of necessity, will have to tie in elements of the first order. Like if not, who knows? We may see. You might find uh, with their push with the High Republic that there might be some backwards tie-ins too. Well, that, you know what? And maybe that will be a little bit more refreshing than, than trying to like shoehorn you know, stuff that's like, oh, we can, we know what happens. I don't know if you played Fallen Order right through, but the I story did. in that is fantastic. Yeah, it's the, beautiful. The, the, the reasons for uh, him making the choices he makes and, yeah. and the, the quest that he goes on is is really nice. And so there's all kinds of stories left to be told here. I've never seen a more horrific looking Wookiee in my life than I have in that game. <laughs> <laughs> but the story is, it's wonderful. And I, I love the tie-ins with, you know, rebels being, you know, Cal's master being of the same species as Zeb. And I just love all of that stuff. Like it's, it's, it's nice and cohesive. You know, uh, someone said in the, in the last couple episodes we did that, uh, is, is it the Marvel universe? And I, I think it's that and more, I think it's, it is it's very cohesive. Yeah, it is. I mean, between the, the multimedia, machine and again this lucasfilm story group which may or may not you know talk to each other with any or no frequency but they're there and uh, they're they're ensuring some consistency but like yeah when you have a, a deliberate plan to link everything together i mean i know i said at the beginning of the show that we're going to spin some plates but that's really spinning plates and, heavy uh, heavy duty yeah, yeah it spans so there's so much that's been done and can be done with it it's it's yeah I'm, well i'm really glad to be here well my friend it's uh it's safe to say that we are both uh very much keen on where the show uh has come from and definitely on where it's going and uh, I would invite everybody who's listening now to come back and join us every week starting October 31st where we're going to come back and we're going to do this again and we're going to react to each episode as it airs. So warning, we're going to talk about stuff that you might not want to hear. So maybe... Uh, Spoiler warning. Yeah, take this as a if warning. If you haven't seen the show, why are you listening to us? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How long have we gone here? Oh my Lord, we're coming up three on hours. three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, my friend, it was wonderful as always. Always, and, Wes. Uh, Thanks, I man. look, Thanks I for look forward me. to uh, doing this for the next eight weeks. <laughs> uh, I can't. I, that's that actually has me stoked. Yeah, yeah where we won't make it a three-hour show. <laughs> It'd be great if you've listened to three hours all at once. Oh my God, I want to hear from you because you are a trooper. Thank you so yeah. much. All right, my friend. May the force be with you and you. And this is the way. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. 
Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that, so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing, to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. And when your show is ready... Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?